0: I mean, if you ever had a dream, and during the dream, you feel like you're both the participant and the observer. It's like you're seeing the dream from above, but you're also experiencing it. That's the same thing when people have near-death experiences. They have this thing where they're observing, but they're also experiencing. And so that's what I experienced. I literally experienced another being coming into my body. What's up, Dead Talkers? It's David. Happy
1: holidays. Thank you for tuning into today's episode with Mark Patterson told me about his near-death experience that he had when he was just a kid. This is a first for Dead Talks, talking to someone who had an NDE, a near-death experience. When he was only a child, he was a really cool guy and uh, left a lot of his lessons open for interpretation, which I think is important in these conversations. But hey, whatever you believe, it's cool with me. And before I start, I wanna thank you all that have written five-star reviews for us. Really goes a long way, and I want to ask that if any of you haven't wrote a review on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening, Consider taking a second just to scroll down, hit those five stars, say a couple good words about your boy, David, because apparently, according to my much smarter friends, the more reviews I get, the more this has a chance of getting out there regarding the algorithm. I have no idea, but write me a good review. And also, if you haven't snagged a Dead Talks hat, link is in the description. We got two new styles, only 30 bucks. I make $5 a hat so I can buy my mom some new shoes. Okay, people, that's it. I'm gonna stop talking. Now let's get into today's episode. Mark, again, thank you for being here. And, you know, before we get into your near-death experience and, and what you've pulled from this, you know, one thing I've noticed is with the episodes that I've had on and paying attention to the audience and how people respond and whether whatever their beliefs are, you know, it, it usually is tied to some sort of belief system, right? Not always, but there have tends to be a heavy belief system towards uh, either if it's God or whatever you want to call it. And then the people that don't believe in it seem to, as soon as religion's brought into it for some reason because you think that would go hand in hand, people automatically, oh no, this can't be X, Y, Z because of that. So before we even hear your story, I'm just curious, what was or is your belief system in regards to what happens after or religiously for that
0: matter? Well, there's so many ways to answer that question. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, my father was a holy roller, Southern Baptist. So, he had the Bible memorized. And when I say he had it memorized, he had every word of that Bible memorized. And uh, so, I can quote the Bible pretty good with most people, but my mother raised me. My father did not. And I had very open beliefs, whatever. But, I mean, if you ask me what religion do I have now, it's more of the Zen, Zen Buddhist, uh, Taoist, the whole, the collective, or some along the lines, what Native Americans teach. I mean, my own personal belief is that there are three groups of people that really got this thing about Earth, God, and us correct. And that would be the Aboriginals, the Native Americans of the Southwest, the Anastasi, the Hopi. And the Polynesian tribes' remnants would be uh, over in Hawaii, the Huna's.
1: That's a great. I have the Dao. Um, I mean, like I literally keep it as soon as I walk in. So I, I think I, I'm not I can't say it personally. Like I, I claim that, but I love what's in it and the teachings. I think it's it's almost. I don't. Maybe it's the wrong way of saying, but it feels almost neutral in many senses. And I think I, I just love that approach. So it's, it's very cool to hear. I Actually, haven't spoke to someone. I don't believe that. Has that approach and belief system. So I love that. Um, But how does this all tie into your experience in regards to what you went through? If you don't mind, you know, starting off with a story about your near death.
0: Well, sure. But uh, before we get to the near near death experience, I think it's important to point out how it happened and why it happened. When I was a child, I was very psychic. I always saw auras and lights around people. I had numerous encounters with angels, other beings. I had uh, encounters with other worlds, time dimension, time dimensional travel. ETs, uh, UFOs, all those things. Unfortunately, though, as a child, I was told to shut up. Don't talk about those things. Why do you know that? Uh, you don't. You shouldn't know that. Um, and, of course, my dad, being a holy roller, he had always told me that I was possessed. And you learn to—you don't want to feel those things anymore. You don't want to know anymore. You don't want to feel—you're you so bombarded with information from the other side— and um, so by the time I was 13, 14 years old, I was into alcohol and drugs because I didn't, I didn't want to feel it anymore. And, of course, when I was 16, I was at a, a high school party where I chugged a fifth of vodka, four beers, two glasses of wine, and about four wine coolers in about 90 minutes. And my body went into cardiac arrest. My skin was green, purple, and black. And I was greeted by my grandfather, Russell, who passed when I was around three years old. And it's very common that when you have a, a grandparent who passes when you're young, they kind of become your guide. They kind of look over you and help you progress. And so he informed me that I was going to go home, that I, that I was leaving. And of course, when you, anyone who's had a near-death experience, they tell you that when you first leave your body, it's scary. Because you're not in the light yet. You just know that your body's down there. And you're trying to call out to all your older classmates who just, you know, a couple hours ago were going, chug, 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 chug. You know, and they, they don't hear anything that you say. And then I, when I went into the light with Russell, um, I was greeted by seven angels. They were 14 feet tall each. They were female in appearance. I always say it, it was like the city of the clouds and the empire strikes back. And there was a holographic light of my table, my life, had like a timeline. We have numerous timelines, parallel lives. And anytime I was angry, resentful, or blamed other people, which is all that we ever do when we are teenagers, they asked, how does that relate to love? And everything in life is your opportunity to express love. Forgiveness means for giving your love away no matter what happens to you. Now, if you're always getting cars, getting jewelry, if you're always forgetting things, you are forgetting who you really are. Now, then they introduced me to a being that was close to about 30 feet tall. Like the giants, the Bible talks about the giants. In those days were the giants. They saw that the wives of men were fair and took them as their own. And the children born of them were men of great renown great strength. Abu believed in Egypt I've been to Egypt uh, a few times, to go over to Egypt, in the symbol, you see the, the 40, 30, 40-foot 40 beings. Uh, they think Akhenaten was 16 feet tall, and Nefertiti was probably 12 feet tall. These are real, they're real-life statues, of, of, because Egyptian archaeology and artwork was based on how things actually were. They were never representations, they were based on reality. So the energy of this being that I was 30 feet tall, male in appearance, had all this love for me, all this knowledge about me. And then um, that 30-foot being formed an icosahedron, one of the platonic solids, entered my heart and brought me back to life. So in new age, new thought terms, I am a, I'm a walk-in. So I got a different soul in my body when I was 16. So the soul that was around from conception to 16 left, another soul came in that was a, like a giant. And for the first few nights, my mom looked like she was like this big. Everyone looked like they were like this big. I couldn't figure out where I was at. And it took about four or five days for me to become Mark, to remember the DNA the, that I was a high school sophomore uh, at Iowa City West and Iowa City, Iowa. Wait, can you explain again, What so- when you were when you uh, I guess transitioned for lack of better terms, what went into your heart? Uh, another being, another being uh, that was about thirty forty feet tall, um, formed into an icosahedron, which is a geometric pattern. It came into my heart and and it brought me Mark back to life. And at that point, where were you? Were you in a hospital bed or were you at the party? No, I was I was still pretty unconscious on the bathroom floor of the Canterbury Suite. Yeah. You know?
1: So, how, how did you come to this understanding or thought that you got a new soul,
0: as you said? Like, what, what is that? Like, does someone tell you, or what is it just a knowingness? Because that, that was the experience. The experience was that because when you're, when you're in heaven or the, this other dimensional reality, you experience several realities at once. Everything is here and now. You know, it's like those images you see, you look at it one way, there's one image. You look at it another way. There's another image. You look at it another way. There's a, but all of those are just superimposed on top of each other. But depending on what light frequency reflects back to you, determines your consciousness. And the more frequency of light that we see, the more higher consciousness that we have. So in heaven, you have this like multi-dimensional aspect where you're aware that you're you. You're aware of what's going on, and you have this. Telepathic communication going on with these angelic beings, and it's all going on simultaneously, and then the 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 transfer happened So I was being told, I mean, have you ever had a dream? And during the dream, you feel like you're both the participant and the observer. Yeah. It's like you're seeing the dream from above, but you're also experiencing it. Mm -hmm. That's the same, that's the same thing when people have near-death experiences. They have this thing where they're observing, but they're also experiencing. And wow. so that's what I experienced. I literally experienced another being coming into my body as I walk in. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions. I, I do want to, uh, in regards to the new soul coming,
1: is there an understanding as to why you, ha- you got a new soul? What, what was wrong with your original soul? <laughs> why, would they do, why would they do that? <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a great, you know, no one's ever asked me that one before. I <laughs> hell is no, not, I mean to say hell in
1: this conversation, but why has no one asked that? Like, what is wrong with your original soul that you'd be getting a new one? <laughs>
0: uh, it's part of the life plan. I mean, I, I think every, you know, I I think that the two souls agreed to it and it was set up as part of the, as part of my, my life plan, but to, it's to evolve. You know, you get another soul into to evolve, to, to extend the the mission of the of the first soul, you're like you're like a refurbished iPhone. It's like this that one right. didn't work, guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I,
0: yeah I, you know, I joke about this, you know, but you know, I I, I evolved five lifetimes with the fifth of vodka. Please don't try this at home. You may not get the same results. You know. Yeah, so, no, no. Yeah. I'm
1: pretty sure I took 13 <laughs> shots of Captain Morgan when I was like. 16 in 30 minutes and i did not have this experience but uh, i did not come back with five <laughs> lifetimes of information i promise you that i haven't joined captain morgan since then um yeah. but, okay so I, under- I don't understand but understand what you're saying in regards to the soul transfer i want to i think that's going to continue on but in regards to your experience there because you, you you call it you've called it heaven but you've called it some other dimension i think Are using that transferably like uh, you're calling it heaven but maybe it's not as heaven as we know it biblically it's just a place It's another dimension
0: Um, I'm going to call it heaven. Do I know that a hundred percent? Sure. Just on my own experience. Yeah, that was heaven, you know, but in the same aspect, you know, it would be another dimensional reality because it's not, it's not here. That's wild. Okay. So, okay. So you were at this place, you saw,
1: you're saying you saw these, you saw your grandfather, your grandfather, um, yeah. And these giant figures and whatnot, or, or entities, if you will. What was, what was it? i know you explained it and you compared it to star wars which i love but what was the overall feeling and how long did it feel like you were there
0: uh so yeah i mean it's just the amount of love that they have for us no matter what you do no matter what you don't do the amount of love that they have for us cannot be put in words you are loved no matter what you do you cannot fail at this there are only actions and consequences. We tend to label everything as right, wrong, good, or bad. But in reality, there are only actions and consequences. And But you are loved. I mean, you do not need to seek eternal life because that's what you are. You do not need to be forgiven because you've never been condemned. And you do not need to be saved because you've never been lost. You are exactly the way you are because in a sense, and this is what Native Americans teach, that your life really can't be any other way. And in Christianity, it's um, Psalm 139.16 says, um, Every day was ordained in your book. Every moment of my life was written in your book before a single day had passed. Of course, that was popular in the 1500s, 1600s by John Calvin. And Calvinism eventually went on to predestined Presbyterians, and they kind of faded away by the mid-1800s.
1: So there's nothing I can do.
0: (laughs) Yes and no. So your life is the way it is because you planned it before you came here. You planned it out this way. You chose your life, your parents, whether you were male or female, your circumstances. But your loving and grace actions cancel out your negative ones. The laws of grace supersede the laws of karma. So you're not always stuck with what you got. But for the most part, our lives are, are... are scripted out, are predestined. And people always ask, well, if that's true, why the hell would I suffer so much? Why would I go through all this pain? It's because you wanted someone to forgive. You wanted someone to be forgiven. You wanted to receive forgiveness. and But most importantly is that you wanted, your soul wanted to show the power of love, how powerful love can be. And it's kind of what, you know, Christianity goes on about the the crucifixion that God or Jesus loved so much that he was willing to place himself on the cross. But a more modern example of that is the, the lady in Rwanda who had to live in uh, the bathroom of a house for 91 days with seven other, seven other people. Uh, her name was uh, Immakale, Immakale, uh, Bagzia in Rwanda um, when the Civil War came through in the Congo, and they killed her entire family, and she and some of their people had to survive in this bathroom for 91 days. When the conflict was finally over, she was given the opportunity to redeem her family, to kill this guy. They gave her, like, whatever time she needed. She gave They gave her, like, a baseball bat and something else. And uh, she chose to wholeheartedly, empathetically express forgiveness. I mean, I'm talking real sincere forgiveness, and you want to talk about that's it. I mean, she she did it. She did what all the ancient scriptures say you're supposed to do.
1: I mean, that's a powerful story of forgiveness that I think uh, is—that's that's a different example, but that's a different level of forgiveness that I think we could all learn from, and it's very hard to do to forgive someone who's done you wrong, especially when it comes to that violence or severity. But I, I want to go back to the idea of you're saying you found how we predetermined our life that we're which I've heard before. I've heard other which It's cool to see the similarities and overlapping of that. But I don't understand why. Like why if, – if we knew we we're going to experience this, at, at, like if we're all-knowing or whatever we are at, at that level as a soul or in this dimension or heaven, whatever you want to call it, what is the point of going down a peg, if, for lack of better terms, to this human being – And experiencing this, like, what is the purpose of of these emotions and and learning all these things? Because after we're done with this life, do we advance uh, beyond that?
0: Well, it depends on what you do here on the planet Earth. I mean, there's you know, this is a schoolhouse, and the only word that has love in it in the English language is evolve. You are here to evolve. So, why do we do it? Is because we want. The challenge. We want to express the power of love. We want to express the power of forgiveness. We want to, in a sense, be way showers of how to live to be that example of forgiveness, compassion, and non-judgment. And it's like if one of us is turned on, we automatically light up a million people or, you know, that others. Beca- and I mean, this it's really an amazing opportunity because nowhere else a lot of it's my understanding that a lot of other universes out there don't have free will don't they don't have the capacity where you can literally take that which is unseen and make it seen that which is unknown and make it known. Un- meaning that you you and a in a body can transform the non-physical and the physical you can't do that on the other side it's a real I mean it's really amazing to show that your thoughts your feelings, create from the non-physical to the physical.
1: When you say non-physical to the physical, it could, could it be broken down as simply just an idea. That's a, a thought. It's non-physical into, into manifesting an idea into something. Yep. You can't do
0: that without a body.
1: So again, but back to the idea that if it's preordained and we know we're going to experience this, like, what is the point of that? Say, like, for instance, me, whatever I was before this, I'm going to choose this life to be David Ferugio. I need to experience all these things. but I already know what I'm going to experience because, therefore, I'm not choosing it as a human because it's going to happen. Where's the lesson in that if we already know I'm going to ch- make these decisions? Because
0: you forget to remember.
1: Right, the amnesia aspect.
0: Right. Do you know, like, for instance, what you're
1: with this near-death experience and you come back with all this information that you downloaded, from your personal experience, I'm not saying you're saying it's so, but... Are you certain that this is what happens after we die and this is the purpose and this is why we're here? You, and all, all the way down to your bones, is it 100% certain this is the way of what happens after we die?
0: Yeah, because it's not just me who has said this. There's 98 99% of people that have near-death experiences have said the same thing. And every now and then you will get someone that said they went to hell in a near-death experience. It's not too often, maybe less than 2%. Right. But it's my belief that when that happens is that, you know, on the other side, other dimensional realities, you are experiencing what you think. There's no gap between what you think and what you experience. So if you believe that you are doomed to hell, you might create it. And the other example that I would say is that this seems to only happen with people that take their own lives. They experience this thing called a frozen tundra, just like a frozen oblivion. And that only happens, I think, in, in the cases where people either commit suicide and they fail and they come, and they come back. But 98, 98% of the people have near-death experiences, uh, have the, the love, the light, the understanding that everything is agreed to. We tend to incarnate with about 20 or 30 other people. That is our soul family. And, um, you know, we, we play the same lessons back and forth. You know, I kill you, you kill me. We go back and forth until we, until we heal. The biggest thing, that, the only thing that we need to heal, David, is the illusion. And it is a, an illusion that we're separate from God. You know, whatever God means to you.
1: What does God mean to you? Is it a being? Is it the universe? Is it energy? What What does God mean to you? What is God? So
0: God, yeah, God is like source energy. It is the 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 thing that set all this into motion. Into motion, and God incarnated into all of us individuals because this is how God experiences life is through you and I because it wanted as many possible perceptions of reality that could have so that it would be all knowing, all com, all encompassing all and all compassionate. So it perceives life from many facets of reality.
1: So when you had your experience, did you just get, was it like you just got downloaded all this information?
0: All of a sudden you just knew it, like almost like the matrix? Yeah, I got downloaded, but I really didn't know what to do with it because I didn't tell anyone. I didn't talk about it. I didn't talk about it to anyone. I think I told two people, the girl that I was dating at the time and my best friend, Dean, who's still in Iowa, And then I got the phone call at 1.30 in the morning from a woman I never met, never spoke with before. I really don't know how she got my number. And, um, you know, she described my near-death experience verbatim, told me the same things that the angels did. And I used to dream over and over again as a child that everything I ever wanted was inside my bedroom closet. You know, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, feeling love, feeling like I, I was wanted, I belonged, was inside my bedroom closet. Well, you know, 40 some years later, you realize that the dream about being inside the bedroom closet was that everything that we want is already within the, our, our hearts, the closets of our own hearts. So when you went to the other
1: side and what you know about it now, is there, a, I don't know if this is a, simple way to, is a simple way to answer this, but if we were to logistically break down why we're here, where we were, where we're going and what this is all about, where, how does it all start? And how does it all end? And maybe end is – I don't mean ending because if everything's eternal and I guess it doesn't end. But how does, say, if we are souls and we start at a beginning point, where do we even come from? How are we birthed as a soul? And then even before that, like that's another question I'm going to get to. But what is the process of how do our souls start? What is this reincarnation process? And then when we're done with that, what are we doing?
0: Well, if we knew what we were doing, we probably wouldn't be in bodies right now. But um, so (laughs) – so you have to think of terms of everything as energy right energy continues to multiply expand right so you have God and then God splits off and splits off and splits off it keeps fragmenting and then you if you want to get into the story of the fallen angel then that becomes an aspect of God you know wanting to perceive itself as separate from itself and then so that would be the the Lucifer's The fallen angel that it that it kept dividing and dividing. It says like, oh, what would it be like if I was separate from myself? And then you have the ten thousand dominions. Then you have the the and then we start incarnating on Earth because we wanted to have these experiences, these opportunities to be separate from God and what it would be like, and to give God the source energy, different perspectives from all these multi-dimensional realities. So again, love, evolve. We are here to evolve. And as we evolve, we don't generate the same experiences over and over again. So where are we going? We seem to be going towards this mass collective of what people call ascension, although I don't. We're shifting from higher dimension, from 3D consciousness to fifth dimensional consciousness, which has never been done before. And we literally have millions and millions of beings who are lined up to incarnate on Earth right now. Because what's going to happen as this switch gets activated, as we collapse the matrix, we collapse the illusion of fear and control, that we we become into these expanded beings, that will be a catalyst, like a dominion, like a, a domino, where simultaneously thousands of other realities will also experience unity consciousness and we'll get out of good, bad, indifferent, right or wrong and and things like that. So that's where we are going to show that we, you know, it's, it's not about living in peace. It's about living in harmony. What the, okay. So that's very, I'm like, my brain is like twisting into scrambled eggs,
1: trying to understand that as a simple mortal, but beyond, like, what is it, does this end? We just continue on and it's just, we we do something in those fifth
0: dimensions, state, whatever it is, we just, this never ends. Well, yeah. I mean, it continues until you evolve to a place where you, you, the only reason why you'd incarnate would be to be of greater service to humanity. You know, a lot of people will talk about, you know, their last lifetime, but you know, this is real. Earth is really an amazing opportunity because you get to experience different realities. You get to transform the non-physical into the physical and you know um it's really a, an it can be an amazing place you know if we allow i don't i said for years that i don't think life was ever meant to be a struggle rather we struggle with who we, re, we really are we resist who we re, really are and it's the resistance that causes the 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 challenges in our life so by resisting who we really
1: are we're creating the bad in the world is that what you're saying
0: Resistance to who we are creates fear, creates the fear that we are separate from source. And it is the fear that we're separate from source that leads to what you'd call injustices and things like that in the world. Because if you knew that you were one with God, we wouldn't react out of fear.
1: So then what's the point of all the bad stuff? Why are there such bad things in the world? Why is there such violence? Why are we so divided? Why is all this divisiveness and quote-unquote evil happening in the world, do you, have, do you feel like you know why?
0: Yeah. It's, it's like I said before, it's because you wanted someone to forgive. You wanted to demonstrate the power of love and that you had the the Immaculate in Rwanda is absolutely the best example of the power of love and what an individual can do. Right. But what about the other side, the people that don't choose that? Why are they choosing they, the opposite? Because they don't know any better.
1: Okay, so once they continue to do that, they're coming back to try to flip the script.
0: That's right. Until you figure out love, compassion, non judgment, and forgiveness.
1: We've been here for so long, it seems like the world has not made any progress towards that love side. So at what point do we collectively find that peace or harmony, if I, you will? I,
0: I believe it's underway right now. I mean, and I'll give you an example of that is like over in Russia, you see the, the war with Russia and Ukraine. Never before have thousands upon thousands. They estimate one like just thousands and thousands of Russian soldiers are just defecting, you know, saying we don't we don't want to participate in war anymore.
1: Wow. Yeah, that makes a good point, actually. That's I mean, I yeah, that's uh I guess if you have those in waves, that's some shift towards the right direction, but even beyond just one two countries battle right now, there's so much more that's happening. So like from the eyes of someone who's, you know, been on the earth for 30, 34 years and knows a little bit about history, not much, but it just seems like it continually repeats itself without progress. But I guess there's little wins here and there like that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we, if you want to talk about conflicts in the world, you look at the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, that's been going on for 30 or 40,000 years. That goes back to the Anunnaki, uh, the brothers Anil and Anis, the Anunnaki wanted to use humans to slave gold for their energy so the one group wanted the humans to remain as slaves the other group wanted to in in slavery you know and the, and it just it's a vicious cycle that's been going on the planet's much older than we know i mean they just keep finding more and more things that clearly show that we we are much older the planet has been around forever um Gobi Temple and outside of Turkey, just blew history out of the water. They, I mean, showing that the the monuments there are twelve thousand years old, and we just, it just the more and more we get, the more and more we realize that, you know, there ain't nothing new under the sun. It's all been done before. So it's all be done before, and
1: it's, we don't. We continually learn that as we discover new and new, new things. I suppose. Um, so, so what is it, what is? I mean, it might be a summarization of everything you just said, but from that experience. What changed the most, or what what is your life motto in regards to taking what you witnessed and downloaded from the other side, quote unquote, to living your life today?
0: Well, it's connectedness, connectiveness. We're all. I mean, the guy that just won the Nobel Prize was for entanglement theory, showing that everything is connected. There's no separation from us, the planet, the stars. What you do affects the universes light years away everything is interactive everything is connected and it just you know my hope is that at some time you know that we start teaching kids at a young age that we're all one that everything is connected to each other and that everyone is us that there's this collective consciousness I'm not talking about you know like Borg you know that's I'm just talking about the, that we are all connected. We're connected to everything and that everything is based in energy. And that if we got that, we wouldn't – if you're not – if you don't view something as separate from you, you're probably not going to harm it or try to destroy it.
1: 100%. I mean, this goes scientifically. That goes back. That goes to the quantum field, right? Entanglement of right. what you're talking about. Scientific, yeah. Scientifically, we are all connected. Yeah. And it makes sense. When it comes to the violence in the world and there's wars, it seems like the people are – taught that that person is different than us that person is separate from us therefore you feel less towards maybe going through with such a violent act but if you know they're similar to you and they are connected to you you're less likely to hurt that person i suppose oh man so uh, let me ask you in regard because you're talk you're talking about and obviously the i guess the spirit world and you know i think the quantum field all kind of relates to that what is your belief when it comes to people talk about manif- manifesting? When they think about your thoughts and your feeling and manifesting certain things happening into in your life, like I manifested this job, I manifested this person in my life, is that the right terminology? And is that
0: real? Yeah, I, the proper word though is allow. You know, what are you allowing versus what are you resisting? You know, are you allowing it to flow through you, are you allowing the universe the one song? Do you surrender to that one song? Do you surrender? But we view uh, surrendering as weakness, but surrendering as strength. And um, are you allowing the universe to flow through you, or are you resisting its current? And how do you
1: how do you surrender? Like, let me give you a selfish specific example. like When it comes to this podcast, for example, and I haven't been, I've been growing this for a few years and it's made some great leaps and it's at a great place right now, but in my head and my ambitious goals, I really want to get it to, quote unquote, the next level. Is there a sense of, is there possibly a certain resistance for me to reach that, quote unquote, next level? And what would that resistance be? Would that resistance be my doubts and the, that voice inside my head? And what is that veil to break and surrender to?
0: So, yeah, you very well could be doubting it, it, or you very well could be trying too hard at it. That you, you know, the, like, if you have your, like, water's flowing from a tap, you ever tried to grab on it so tightly, what happens?
1: Yeah, stops flowing?
0: Well, the water makes a mess. It goes all over the place.
1: Oh, for some reason I saw you squeezing a hose, sorry. (laughs) Squeezing,
0: yeah. So, well, or if you relax your grip a little bit and allow it, then it flows easier, but a lot of times people have people can be afraid of success even more than they are afraid of failure. And so you might have a a pattern or resistance around am I really ready for that? am I you know, am I really ready to you know to be in front of millions of people? you know, or the saying is be careful of what you wish for
1: so for anyone that's resisting anything, whether it be maybe in the theme of this podcast, if you're grieving or going through something, what is that is there a simple way of putting that surrendering process of letting something go and just letting things let the water flow as you said is there a a conversation you have is there a, you breathe like what what is that practice to make that resistance go away for whatever we're resisting
0: yeah in general meditation meditation is is one of the biggest keys to the path of least resistance but also the saying is you cannot change what you don't recognize a lot of times, our um, our habits or resistance come from other lifetimes, and things like past life regression are very helpful. Which is what I've done for thirty years now. With past life regression, people can unlock and, and release blocks that were things that were holding them holding them back because it's a subconscious energetic program. But you know, I, I, you know, the, just saying thank you, just thank you, thank you, thank you. That really opens. Gratitude is what really opens the possibilities. It's the book of Timothy talks about, you know, God's will for us is to give thanks for all things, you know, and I think it's right there that it's it's about gratitude and, you know, even with people that you don't like, think just start if you start thanking them, and blessing them, that's, you know, you're shifting so that you're in control, not them, because if you're always, you know upset with someone or angry at someone, they're in power. You're not. So if you start thanking them and praising them and blessing them, the power comes back to you and you're in you're back in your power and they're they're not living in your head rent-free as the saying goes around.
1: That makes sense. Okay. So as a very specific practice in regards to meditating, is it important to focus on whatever you feel you're resisting or literally just show gratitude in a general way
0: i think the showing gratitude is in a general way is the
1: key i like that okay i always like the specifics of that because i feel like when people meditate even myself it's like, like what am i thinking what do i say i think it's just the present for me it's just sometimes it's just the breath goes a long way just literally focusing my breath maybe not focusing on a specific problem
0: just focusing on your breath for about 10-15 minutes a day will greatly change your life
1: Thank, oh, I appreciate this, Mark. I do want to ask you what, what's your opinion on people that, that literally just don't believe in near death experiences and say whatever's, whatever happens after this is completely impossible?
0: It's their choice. The reality is, is that thousands and thousands, 97, 98% of people who have near death experiences tell the same story. There's no way we're all making this up. I'll just give you an example. You know, I've spoken at conferences next with all over the world from, like, from 97 to 2017. And I went on one time before Dolores Cannon, she passed away about 10 years ago, well-known in this field. And after I talked, I had this guy come up to me. He goes, Mark, all this stuff is crap. It's bullshit. But I want to talk to you, Mark. I'm sure you do. You know, great, you know. So I look at him, I said, there's a gentleman who's older than you. I'm guessing he's your father. He's standing there with a wooden airplane. He's pointing to the wooden airplane and he's pointing to you. Well, David, that guy dropped to his knees and wailed like a little, like a five-year-old girl. I mean, just tears shut out of his eye. He finally collected himself and got up and said, yeah, when he was seven years old, he built a wooden airplane. He built the wooden airplane for his dad. He then took the wooden airplane and put it on a seat in the in the living room. And then he went to the kitchen to get something to eat. Well, he forgot that he put that wooden airplane on the on the seat. So he sat on the wooden airplane. He broke it. He was never able to give the wooden airplane to his dad. So he had to throw it away. Well, his dad came through to let him know that he, in fact, got that wooden airplane. I cannot make that up. You know, I can't. So... It's important to know that when people do cross over, they want completion just as much as we want completion. They say this over and over again with someone like James Pragg or James on Prague or John Edwards. And I, you know, I do more intuitive counseling than actual mediumship. Those are just things that come through sometimes. Completion is so important. And that's why it's so important to learn to forgive, including forgiveness of yourself. A lot of times we'll go, God, God, just show me what I need to do. More often than not, David, is what do I need to stop doing? You know, that's, that's the real answer is what do I need to stop doing? That seems to be it. Oh, yeah,
1: it's to stop doing. Even, I feel like the things we need to stop doing, we usually know too, and then we're just kind of like stuck in that loop for whatever reason that yeah, may be. Absolutely. Oh man, okay, uh, Mark. This is so fascinating to me. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to speak with me and share your story. Um, you seem, you're such like a chill guy. It makes me very relaxed, even from the first moment. Even though we had some technical difficulties, um, <laughs> I, I appreciate you uh, you sharing this. And if there's anything you feel like you didn't get off your chest or anything you want to say to my audience before we get out of here, uh, please feel free to uh, drop the mic if you will. But plug yourself. Don't plug yourself. Last words. Whatever <laughs> you want.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I just cannot emphasize enough at how much you're loved. You're loved no matter what you do. That I, you know, you're born to win, conditioned to lose. You're winners, not sinners. the The whole idea of sin is so misused. You're not guilty. You're not. You're not guilty for just being born. I, I mean, it's this is ridiculous. But I'm really excited about a lot of things going on, on the planet right now. Things behind the scenes that we don't know about, that we're not being told about. Uh, it's just we are evolving at a really amazing rate. Beautiful things are happening. And I am just now creating these things. They should be out in the next few weeks. They're called Mark Patterson's Universal Power Cards. They're about personal empowerment, uh, $25. And they should be ready as a digital download with a reflection guidebook in, in a little bit here in the next two or three weeks. I, I Oh, they're powerful. And uh, my website is markamerkay Patterson, P A T T R S O N dot com. That's Mark Dash Patterson dot com. If you don't include the dash, you're gonna get a famous jeweler out of New York City. Uh, <laughs> so, gonna have the dash in there. And I'd love to hear from you. If I can help you out in any way, I do do a lot of sessions and consultations via Zoom. So I'm definitely here here to be of greater
1: service. I appreciate that. I'm gonna plug uh, I'll plug your information below. We're talking about 25 bucks. I'm gonna check it out it's not, we're not selling Cadillacs. <laughs> um, so I, I appreciate'll we'll, we'll put the uh, we'll put his information in the show description as usual. Uh, Mark, I really appreciate you taking the time and for anyone listening. Uh, we'll love your thoughts on this episode as usual. Uh, you know, and in the comment section, social media, ask us questions, and maybe we'll pass it off to Mark as well. And uh, that's about it. So again, Mark. You're the man. Very nice to meet you. And another episode of Dead Talks in the books. Until next time, we'll see you guys later.